You're listening to War for Idiots, a podcast by idiots for idiots. We take a while to warm up, so we have to touch a microphone. Um, I've got an idea for a gym that I want to open up. Yeah. It's called Conan's Wheel. Do you remember um, do you remember the movie Conan? Yeah. If it's just pushing that big wheel. Yeah. yeah. So that's it. So it's low overhead, so you just build a giant wooden wheel <laughs> and everyone just comes and pushes it. Because you've got... <laughs> he starts pushing as a boy and then he's ripped, right? Yeah. Like marketing done. That's actually true. <laughs> um, and your gym slogan's going to be something about... Um, driving your enemies forth before you. Oh, I haven't thought that far through. I just thought, the wheel, I just thought the wheel was a good concept. <laughs> cool. All right. Shall we record the episode? Are we recording? Uh, can you do the intro? Ladies and gents, boys and girls, men and women from around the podcasting world, hello and welcome back to War for Idiots, WFI. WFI. We are your hosts. I am Rich the Dunce. And I'm Mick the Blockhead. And we are indeed the idiots that you have been looking for. And today, Mick, we are talking about strategy. Now, I must say, I noticed that you brought some big, thick, hefty books with you on strategy. Very yeah, listen, impressive. listen to the heft on this one. This is going onto the floor, listeners. That's that, wow. That's, that's good heft. pod. That's good pod right there. That's a book dropping on the ground. It's a book dropping on the ground. Who needs a sound studio? Okay, so we Which are, we're in, because we we're professionals. In, this is a sound studio. We are the Hamish and Andy of war. But you know, I've been thinking about this line. And I actually think that we've graduated above Hamish and Andy. I like because to, our lawyers have been thinking about this because line. Because our lawyers have been thinking about this line. I actually think we're more the Thelma and Louise of war. Yes, okay. They were literally the only names I could think of. Yeah, I'm really interested in what... But who would get Brad Pitt? Uh, I would request it, but, you know... We'll see how it goes. Okay. Anyway. So, look, we are... The Thelma and Lisa, Louise of War. Uh, we are here to talk about war, uh, but we're talking about it at an, at an accessible level, yeah. uh, at the idiot level, if you will. Now, one thing we want to make sure we do is we're not discounting the significance of war by any means. We're here to just make it approachable. Yeah. Think of us as black comedy, but not funny. <laughs> yeah. Black uncomedy. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, just like us, uh, you get what you settle for. Which is, of course, a quote from Thelma the, and Louise, the 1991 Oscar-winning Thelma and Louise. Did I get an Oscar? I'm pretty sure I got an Oscar. Yeah, man. Pretty sure and I got the an Oscar. Departed still. And if it did not, it yeah. definitely should get one. Leo, where's Leo? Anyway, so let's start with our quote. Uh, our quote for this week is from Pakistani author and thinker Rahil Farooq, and his quote is: "Idiots are of two kinds: those who try to be smart." and those who think they are smart. Well, where's that leave us? That means we're not idiots. I think this covers all bases. I, I actually think that I tried to be smart and clearly you think you're smart and, yeah. and aggregation, when you put those things together, you get idiots. a couple of idiots like us. It's actually, it's kind of good. Thank you, Farouk, and keep on listening. But just in case you are listening, Farouk, um, just let us know if because we've called ourselves idiots, that stops us from being idiots. Mine, oh, we want explosions too. No, as, I, as first... I discovered a couple of weeks ago, I am my own soundboard. Oh, that's right. You are your own and, soundboard. But mainly only for explosions. Oh, soundboards. Soundboards. <laughs> soundboards broken. Soundboards broken. Soundboards broken. We need a new studio tech. All right. So this week, um, we're tackling the ginormous task of talking about strategy. Yeah. Uh, strategy is such a huge thing and, and what we're going to try to do is give you our opinions on what is strategy 
um, where, where it sort of roots uh, are from and where we think it ties into the modern day uh, plethora of where you can apply strategy. Yeah, we're gonna take something complex, hotly debated, and uh, as a couple of unqualified idiots, we're actually gonna give you the definitive simplified version. Just like the doctor ordered. But don't quote us, because you won't get any far. Yeah. So when we look at where strategy came from, we go back to Big Carl. Uh, he actually wrote uh, the following, and I quote, tactics is the art of using troops in battle, Strategy is the art of using battles to win the war. Mick, yeah. discuss this point. Well, I like it. The the um, that's a that's a really good quote from Carl. And he goes on to explain. It later. I'm sure he'd be very happy that you said he has a good quote. <laughs> Mate, big Carl and I. If it's not me selling his wares, he would be nowhere. Anyway, uh, I've clearly got a bigger following than him. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, the the purpose of strategy is the use of the battle for or the engagement for the purpose of the war. Uh, why was this relevant to his time? Well, he was fighting the Napoleonic Wars, and Napoleon's mm. famous for using uh, strategic planning to bring about a tactical decision that would then have a strategic effect. What does that mean? That's kind of a mind-brain-blown moment. Mind-brain. Mind-brain-blown. Uh, but what he's saying is, you know, in Napoleon's era, mm. uh, you defeat someone on the battlefield, you more or less have stra- uh, strategic success. So that's why he kind of kept it to that battlefield engagement, war fighting sort of focus. But we know now, I mean, apart from me dropping Laurie Friedman's book on the ground, and I'm pretty sure he's happy for me to call him Laurie. If not, I'm pretty sure he's not listening anyway. Or Lozzy. Lozzy? Yeah. Lozzy Frio? Lozzy Frio. (laughs) Lozzy Frio's book, Strategy, most of the actual history of the word strategy, his Mm. book covers off on business, politics, Mm. things that aren't necessarily related to battle. But in Big Carl's time, it was related to battle. It was, it, it, yeah, and, and that's that's a really good point. I think that when we look at what Clausewitz said about strategy, I'm going to go as far as to say is it's a good starting point, but I think it, it's become a bit more complex from what he's sort of insinuating here. Yeah, and we're going to look at the the word comes from the Greek term for the general, strategoi, who our old mate Pericles, yeah, from old Thucydides, old Pezes and Pezes, Pezes. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, they don't know, mate. They were terrible with nicknames, <laughs> the Greeks. That's what all these long names. Like Agamemnon. Come on. Come on. Classic Greek name. Classic. Anyway, Strategoi was just about the general who commanded the battlefield. So even Clausewitz's definition is a little bit further on from the original yeah. meaning of the term. Yeah. Yeah. Also, so let's take this term. Tactics is the art of using troops in battle. Yeah. Uh, strategy is the art of using battles to win the war. As a foundation... Just to segregate the difference between battlefield tactics and battlefield strategy and sort of battle, the battle being sort of somewhere in between there. Um, and I think that's a good foundation, but I think we can go further than that. We can go deeper. Oh my God. Okay. I really hope that soundboard's dead. Well, no, just because I said deep doesn't mean <laughs> doesn't that I have to do the sound. I don't have to do the sound like every time theme. I say deep. I feel like. I feel like every time you hit that button, we're scaring away a good percentage of listeners. That's all right. We just need sponsors. We, we don't went, need anyone else to We just went from three to two. <laughs> okay. So th- Hi, Mum. This, con- <laughs> hey, hey, this concept has uh, graduated, has evolved. And um, in fact, Harry Targa of the US Army War College said, and I quote, strategic thinking is about the thoroughness of holistic thinking. It seeks to understand how the parts interact to form the whole by looking at parts and the relationships among them. The effects they have to one another in the past, present, 
and anticipated future. So what, what Harry of the US uh, Army War College is saying here is that it, it in fact goes a bit past of just using battles to win the war, but it's about looking at a strategy for winning a war that it entitles a whole bunch of different things that are outside of battles themselves. And he goes on to say, and I think this is a bit of a slap in the face of old Carl, but also signifies his importance, but, but a need to, to sort of transcend your thought a, a bit above that, is that he notes that Clausewitz was a theorist of war, not international politics, which I think brings a very, very interesting dynamic into the whole debate. It does. In fact, for those who read up on Clausewitz, you know his wife was uh, more skilled in the international politics arena. Clausewitz read a lot of international politics, but that was designed to inform his understanding of war. So it's a little bit different to the way uh, people study war these days yeah. in the context of international politics. So. Clausewitz started us off in what I like to think, in, in his definition, I think he was really trying to differentiate or, or, or fathom the multiple dimensions of a battlefield. Like if you think of the most ancient purist battlefield where everything is sort of very simplified on the battlefield, you know, you have your phalanx, you have your swords and shields, and they're your infantry, and then you also have your archers, and then you also have your cavalry. Well, infantry on infantry, cavalry on cavalry, that's, that's the the sort of tactics, but if you can amalgamate when to use the infantry, when to use your archers, when to use the cavalry, well, that is indeed what he would probably have defined as the, the, the strategy yeah. uh, or the battle to then go on to win that war, sort of aggregating all those things together. And I think that's definitely a good place. And we see this kind of concept within the, the modern day battlefield, cyber uh, space. warfare, space warfare. So. Uh, a battlefield boats. strategy, boats, warfare. <laughs> boats, warfare. So, you know, I would define this probably more as a battlefield strategy, in integrating all these sorts of things. But as we as we discovered, Harry of the US Army War College, Harry Targa, Targa? I hope Targa. I'm saying that right. Oh, Harry let's, say, let's go with Targa. Let's go with Target. Ta Harry okay. Tar or Targa. Uh, write us an email, let us know how, how it goes. He, he's saying that it is above this. It, yeah. it, it's not also the battlefield, it's not also integrating all those things, but it's also the politics of it, the economics of it, uh, all these other factors that lead into the winning of the war. It's about solving a problem. It's about solving a problem. Um, now, when I think about this, I think about, are you? A, do you play Risk? Yeah, I got Risk. I love Risk. The <laughs> problem is with my Risk is a, a attitude, yeah. I tend to have coalitions of the willing attack me a lot i i can guarantee i've never played a game of risk with you i can guarantee i would go all out attack on you consistently <laughs> that would be my only tactic i generally last like you know 20 minutes in a game of risk yeah I, and you know what not surprised whatsoever but if you look at risk uh the board game you could say you know the tactic could be let's say the domination of a continent you know, you could have the tactic of just, okay, secure my borders, dominate that continent and start building up those forces. However, your strategy, not only is your domination of the ta continent, but also your alliances, your, co your containment of other people, your sabotaging of other people. Yeah. This is, the strategy is the end state that you want to achieve by playing that risk, you know? So winning the game has multiple facets to it. And, uh, and that's, to me, is a very simple way uh, without talking about mice farms and cats of, we, of how we, to define tactics we should have played risk to study for the last exam we should have played we should have written about risk and only about risk that would have been brilliant um but i also note that in the show notes here you've got something that we actually got our bachelor degrees in something that i'm more passionate about than anything in the entire world so many 
So many good virtual men died. So many good virtual men died at the hands of the Strategoi. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Which is us. Which is us. We're talking about the game that we played throughout our entire bachelor's university which was age of empires 2 what an amazing amazing game that was and i and i can tell you right now back then back in the age of empires 2 i was not good at having a good strategy whatsoever i'll tell you exactly what my strategy was my strategy was to pick the country that made elephants then to focus everything on making as many elephants as humanly possible and then I would just attack with elephants and just attack with elephants and just attack with elephants. And yeah. I know this probably comes as a shocker to you, didn't do really well every time I played AGM Vice 2. So I, I had a strategy that, and I'm quite happy to freely admit this, was never successful, but kept me in the game yeah. a very long time. I, I'm going I'm to predict it was something to annoy other people. Possibly. I called it the virus. And, and with the virus <laughs> yeah, strategy... Specific, I used to build up as many peasants who weren't very good fighters yep. and I'd get enough resources for as many town centres as possible and I'd send myself off to just random places on the map yep. where it would not be very favourable to build a town centre. Boom. Boom. Build one. Build a town centre. Very uh, nomadic sort of yeah. uh, Mongol and the approach. Good, good thing is that they destroy, even if they destroyed my power base, I had more towns. That's right. Um, I could never do anything back but i was alive yeah just like a virus just like a virus <laughs> your only reason was existence and that That's was it. it so great examples um and i think as a foundation we've sort of talked about Clausewitz. we talked about how we think it's 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 gone a bit above just the battlefield it's, it's about what you want to achieve in a war and the multiple facets and, and the different paths that you can sort of apply to to win at war but what about the concept of grand strategy? So, you know, Whoa. we talk about strategy. Let's talk about grand strategy. You know, if you want to talk about what's the difference, I'd say it's probably the difference between piano and a grand piano. One, <laughs> one is... That's one because is, we have a poor understanding of both pianos and strategy. <laughs> and strategy, that's right. So what do you know about grand strategy, Mick? So what I know is that a, uh, a guest I uh, had on the Dead Prussian podcast, plug for my other show, um, wrote a book called What Good Is Grand Strategy? Oh, yeah. And I'll continue talking while I uh, Look up delay for time. And trading time for space Boom. is actually a strategy. So this guy, Hal Brands, hey Hal, how are you going? I'm sure you're listening Never to this because most professors will probably want to listen to us talk about strategy. He wrote about it and it's basically, he's reduced it down to, it's, it's a type of statecraft or it is statecraft and it reduces, well it doesn't reduce, it encompasses political, economic, military, cultural, and informational uh, forms of power. And it's about the way that a nation state uses those forms of power mm. to gain their political objectives. Yep. The political objective is something you may have heard in episode one. And if you haven't, you need to go back and download episode one again. Or else this makes no sense to you. Or else yeah. it makes no sense to you. And it boosts our stats. So in the 1920s, JFC Fuller, uh, he was a friend of the show a friend of the show and um he he began to employ the term grand strategy okay and he used this term to describe the synchronization of both military and non-military activities to subdue an opponent which is the concept that we talked about that sort of elevated off the battlefield as well um so this begins the debate to mm. me is 
what is the difference between strategy and what is the difference between grand strategy? Are they not just the same term? You know, when I say uh, I want to apply strategy, does that mean I'm applying the Clausewitzian strategy? And when I say grand strategy, am I applying the JOC Fuller or the Hal Brand version of grand strategy, which is both military and non-military? Well, which one is it? Well, I, I actually don't have an opinion. I think <laughs> I think I actually think it's easier to have them differentiated and, and to use you know yeah. a sort of precursor when you say the word strategy. Yeah, but I think military strategy is a good way of military strategy, battlefield type stuff. Exactly, and, and business strategy. Yeah, and, and I think that it, what is more important is the realization that war can and often is and has always been won both on and off the battlefield. Yeah. And when you aggregate what is happening on the battlefield with what is happening off the battlefield, then in aggregation, that's strategy. Call it grand strategy, call it on and off battlefield strategy, call it hippopotamus strategy, call it whatever you want. But I'm, you know, I'm not gonna call it on and off battlefield strategy. That just I, I, that's because it's trademark, because it's a very relevant term. But um, in understanding that, you know, war is applying strategy that attacks the enemy both on and off the battlefield. The enemy's economy, the enemy's morale, the enemy's allies, a whole bunch of other things that will eventually bring that enemy down. War is so much more complex and thus strategy needs to be understanding and break up of this complexity so that you can win it. But here's the kicker. Oh, there's a kicker. Um, I think that the concept of grand strategy has been around well before JFC Fuller mentioned it in the 1920s. I think it's well before uh, Clausewitz mentioned it. I think it's something that's been around forever. However, it just wasn't called grand strategy. It just ah, wasn't called, got it. wasn't just called strategy. It was just a way of winning. I war. mean, when it first came out, it was probably just a couple of tongue clicks and hoots. Like, <laughs> oh there you go. I've just insulted every oh, stone <laughs> age. Every stone age. Oh, for all listener, our, we have for all our listeners from the countries that speak in tongue clicks and hoot hoots. <laughs> I apologise for whatever Mick just said in your native tongue. So, <laughs> I think I don't think people speak like that anymore. Hey, you know when you said elephants before? So in post, we'll just add that sound effect. Yeah, well, to when we, I we don't really elephant. do what we don't actually do post. post but <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Okay, Mick, grand strategy outside of war. Tell uh, me about it. So grand strategy outside of war, it's very, very interesting because... <laughs> that was a very... Well, can you have a grand strategy outside of war? I think you can because we've got that military aspect of national levers of power, but then you've got your diplomatic, which is talking about building up your alliances. And as we discussed in the uh, episode on Thucydides and Peloponnesian War, building up an alliance is important because of the way that it can influence your achievement of political objective. You yep. don't necessarily need to go to war. You might just have a strong alliance that can achieve that objective for you by posturing. Economic. Economic is one of the most powerful forces in the universe after self-interest. Um, Mixed hands are flying about like some sort of Star Wars battle they know, scene. They, they can see. <laughs> it's, um, it's amazing. And economic power is obviously something that is used quite a bit, whether or not it's trade embargoes, sanctions or the donation of humanitarian aid in the form of money, uh, yeah. which is a way of exerting political influence tied to a grand strategy. And there's also the, you've got, we've got morale written down here. We've also got moral ideas and that's the cultural um, and moral exportation of a country's political views. And this is ties in with the big struggle of the Cold War. 
you had cultural aspects and political cultural aspects or politico-cultural aspects because if you want to sound smart you turn political into politico, politico yeah. but not the magazine we're not using your name so please don't sue us. I have um, no idea what he's talking let about let Hamish and Andy finish for us um, but the political cultural influences as well and the the exportation of communism or the exportation of democracy throughout the Cold War yeah. is a way of demonstrating that now, sometimes it happened with a war, but yeah. we won't talk about that because we're talking about non-military means. Yeah. Okay. So, you think that you can have strategy outside of war, hmm. um, and you can have a grand strategy. I think. I think there's business strategy. I mean, yeah. I'm with Laurie Frio here. He just touched his book. Um, I just touched his book. Uh, the books I didn't bring, but I do own because I'm very smart, and I think I'm very smart. Um, so Hugh Strawn, he's got a problem with the way we've used strategy for too many things outside of war and it yep. starts to lose its meaning. Yep. Uh, Colin Gray's written probably one of the best books because it's short on the future of strategy and the term strategy and the way people use it. And he, he very much ties strategy to um, the use of military force, but he understands it. Well, he understands it. He, he's the one who gives us our understanding in a lot of ways of strategy yep. and its tie between policy and tactics. Um, so yeah, but I actually think you can have a strategy outside war because I like to think of the very common way of thinking of strategy. It is the use of various means in a number of ways to achieve a specific end. Oh, my bloody that was my, that was me. Don't worry about it. I got it. I yeah, got it. I don't know if you're as good as the same. I'm pretty sure that was an explosion. Well, um, <clears throat> I know someone who would probably disagree with you. It's probably you. Uh, so that is one of our long-time listeners, uh, Little Heart. Oh, Basil. 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 What are you doing, Basil? So he, uh, so he actually would argue um, that grand strategy is only pertinent in wartime. And all he did was argue. He also said that the purpose was not to simply turn all available capabilities towards achieving victory, but also to ensure that the resulting outlay of resources was worth the cost. So th this debate of highly intellectual uh, thinkers of war uh, I think is that including us? Including us, <laughs> replicates Ooh. that uh, strategy in a out inside a war, outside a war. Do you call it strategy? Do you call, call it grand strategy? I don't, I don't think that the, the, the sort of those things are really important. I think what's important is you understand that war is not just about the military. War is about the country and what it's trying to do. And the military outside of war still represents what that country is trying to achieve in its place in the world, which is what you semi-eloquently stated. Semi-eloquently. Semi-eloquently. So Thanks. let me bring up something that, that I'm interested in having a, a debate about. I'm going to let you because so, you are physically bigger than I am. Can a country indeed have a grand strategy outside war because countries are guided by politicians? So what I'm trying to sort of invoke here is a, is a concept of how can a politician who is only concerned with the popular vote because they need to be concerned with popular vote because that is how they get elected into politics. And this is not just in Australia, this is in many, many countries around the world. How can they be truly uh, motivated for the bettering of the country through the execution of a grand strategy which will outlast them in office or outlast the time Me and so period? Me love you long time. <laughs> I did not press I that. can't believe I am so sorry. <laughs> anyway, because I accidentally punched that one, um, I will uh, I'll take you up your you challenge. You have to pick it up now. Um, and I think what Rich is getting at is grand strategy. The, the word grand is so <laughs> <laughs> 
I just love that that one came up when we're talking about politicians. That is a massive Freudian push. Anyway, um, what Richard's getting at is that grand strategy isn't called grand for no reason. It takes a long time, a long Mm. time, uh, a long time, a long time. 6% time works every time. So grand strategy, when it's tied to a political cycle that may only last three years between Mm. changes of government, may make it very hard. I mean, in Hal Brands' book that we talked about before, and we're going to keep plugging for him. I don't know if we're going to get any revenue. You're welcome. No worries, Hal. Um, is that he, he argues the Clinton administration didn't necessarily have a grand strategy, whereas the Bush administrations and the Reagan administrations did. He says a fascinating point. Um, you know, he, he says that Bill Clinton looks back at previous presidents and says, he, he questions whether they even ha- they had a grand strategy or whether yeah. they just sort of um, figured it out as they sort of... And labelled it afterwards. And labelled it afterwards. But a, a fascinating point, and I love that book, um, that Howe brings up is that Bush's grand strategy was too grand. Yes. They, they, they try to do too much around the world, which, you know, it's just a really interesting way to think about it. And if I, you know, if, if you so look back at... So props for having a vision. So, yeah, props for having a vision, but maybe you need to just focus on the now and not, not sort of trying to achieve too much in the future. And, and that, that's kind of the point I wanted to bring up with politicians, because when I understood this concept of grand strategy, I was like, well this politician is only going to be pushing things that's going to get him or her the popular vote. How do we know those are the actual things that we need as a country to advance ourselves forward? Yeah. Um, I can just hope uh, that it is aligned and that, you know, now that that filter is in front of my eyes, I sort of look at politicians and, and what they want to achieve and some of the things they're saying in a very different light. And, and it's worth doing that when you look at what is coming out on the news, reading what's on the web and trying to figure out is there some sort of underlying unifying thread that is linking some of these announceables, as it's known in Canberra terminology? Uh, two things. I think you'll find that in some areas, it's very clear where the direction is going. And in other areas, you kind of get a little bit confused and just wonder if that is the news du jour. That's yeah. French for of the day. For mayonnaise. Well, sorry, for what? Of the day. Yeah, I Got think it. mayonnaise is French for mayonnaise. Uh... I'm going to debate that, but not okay. today. Not today, because, well, we don't have enough time left <laughs> on the show, and we haven't prepped any cue cards. So what is, um, what, what, when I think about this, and, you know, this is the part of the show where we try to apply the, the ramblings <laughs> to, to, to what people can take away from this, I always go back to the three levels of war, because to me, the three levels of war help me break up the, the complexity of what's around And me. it's three. Things in threes are easy. And I can't count beyond that. So tactical <laughs> is having an effect on the ground. Got it. Operational is about the aggregation of tactical efforts for mission success uh, within a region or within a period of time. Got it. And then strategic is lined directly to a country's interest or its strategy slash grand strategy. Okay, everyone was pretty much tracking this. But I think understanding what strategy is, understanding what grand strategy is, that's really the link between all three. And that's really what makes all this important. Um, And this brings up that debate uh, that we sort of hinted at in one of our other shows of, okay, we know that strategy is important. We know that tactics is the execution of strategy. Do we really need an operational level of war? Uh, is it, and, you know, uh, I heard, uh, I believe it was Lawrence Friedman. No, it wasn't Lawrence Friedman. It was Hugh Strawn. Hugh Strawn. Said that, well, potentially the operational level of war is an excuse for people to divorce tactics from strategy and just focus on pure military tactics with maybe a sprinkling of, uh, of the political aim on top of that. Uh, and that's why he thinks that we shouldn't have an operational level of war. Because it's, just, it's dangerous. Because it's dangerous. We just focus on 
having a strategy, and then directly, what is the tactics achieving that grand strategy? An interesting point related to that, Rich, is recently on the Dead Prussian Podcast, it's a show I host, you may or may not have heard of it, yep. but um, an author named Brett Friedman, he is our age, so an adolescent trapped in a 30, 30 mid-30s Something. body. Um, he's written a book called On Tactics. Now, in that book, mm. he talks about linking tactical thinking and strategic thinking and why strategists need to understand tactics yeah. and tacticians need to understand strategy. Yeah. No operational there. I, I feel like he stole that from us. Like, I feel like we're the first people to think like this. I released the interview last night. Somehow he has traveled in time. Brett, you are listening to this because I'm going to make you listen to this. Uh, send us a tweet and let us know if we've got it right. Um, but it's a good point, Rich. The operational level of war is a little confusing. Maybe one day we'll have to talk about it on the show. Yeah. But not today. But not today. Because we already have. That's right. And it would be awkward to be brought up again. Like your random elephant noise. <laughs> Ten minutes after <laughs> we spoke about elephants. Hey, but we spoke about elephants and we did not speak about cows. So that was irrelevant. More soundboard. I think that's going to be the hashtag for the week. <laughs> so strategy. We know where it came from. We know that it, it has evolved, or, or we think about it more deeply than from when Clausewitz uh, mentions it in his writings. Um, and I think it doesn't matter if you have a grand strategy, if you have a military strategy, because there's many hybrids out there. The Americans are very, um, very fond of their theater strategy, which, yeah. which is uh, used nowadays. There's political strategies, there's economic strategies. There used to be major and minor strategies back in the 20s and 30s. Exactly, so, yeah. so we've, we've, we've muddied the waters with the concept of strategy, so I think it's sometimes important to just go back, understand the basics of strategy, and understand exactly, if everyone understands the basics, then, uh, then we can understand what part of that hybrid term of strategy that you're relating it to. How cool is my sticker from the strategybridge.com? Those guys are... Uh, big fans of the show, or they will be. Got strategy. Got strategy. Got strategy. Good the question. Very prominent question mark there. So, what can you take away from this? I think that when you're thinking about strategy, I honestly think it helps you contextualize what you're doing. I say contextualize a lot, um, but it, it, it helps you understand it's the concept. What it, means. it understands the concept of combined. It helps you understand the concept of joint. It helps you understand the concept of interagency activities. It helps it make it much easier to understand because for a strategy, you need to have combined. You need to have joint. You need to have interagency. That is a strategy focused towards what a country wants to achieve. It's more than military. It's more than politics. It's more than econ- uh, economics. It's everything put together. Yeah, I think so. I think for me, it helps when if I'm seeing something happen at a governmental level or if you're doing something as part of your work in business or in the military or in private sector, uh, public sector, and you're like, this does not compute, then you look to the overarching strategy and you might be able to find some relevance and meaning within your role. I, I just need to highlight how much thought went into Mick's last little <laughs> tirade there. He had the soundboard ready to go and then and then worked his thoughts around the soundboard to try to put something coherent together. And I think he did pretty well. Well, the soundboard's obviously smarter than I am. So. <laughs> well done, Mick. And that is obviously uh, shows that you are indeed the veteran of podcasting. <laughs> I would say I am an experienced veteran. Yep. But um, I still have a lot of battles to fight. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, damn it. No, that was me. That was me. You yeah. thought it was a real explosion. I know. Yeah. That's how good I am. At I'm actually sitting under the desk. Okay, Mick. So how is our merch going? So, so in case people haven't 
listen oh, they before. Know. Oh, they know. They should know because know. we've been just, spamming yeah. them with hashtags. Um, so we have merchandise available. Check out our Facebook page. You can go and find our Zazzle store and you can buy a T-shirt or a mug uh, or a hat. That's actually the extent of our line at the moment. We'll probably expand it, but mm. until people start buying those, we're probably not going to sell any others. Are the prices inflated? Well, we'll let you decide and keep that to yourself. <laughs> we also have some social media pages, so jump on Facebook, like the page War for Idiots, and also follow us on Twitter at War Numeral for Idiots. Don't write the word numeral though. I'm still trying to get that other account banned Good so we can steal their handle. Anyway, that's uh, that's it for that plug. Hope you enjoyed the show. I uh, hope you enjoyed what we had to talk about strategy. Uh, like everything we talk about, we can go much deeper. You should see a rushing. But we just like to just tickle around the edges. And if you've never talked about strategy or Friedman or... Uh, Laurie Frio. Laurie Frio or, or uh, any of the other People we haven't given names. <laughs> then uh, this might have been a good introduction for you. So look, hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we will see you next time with our next topic. Uh, until then, this is Rich. And this is Mick. And until next time, remember... We may be idiots. But potentially, so are you. War for Idiots is a TDP production. All opinions expressed by individuals on the podcast are those of the individual and not necessarily representative of any other organisation. The music used during War for Idiots is Fireworks by Jazar and is used under an attribution share alike 3.0 international licence.